They're taking Cherubin pot strewn strategically along the daily. Charter boys are tying paternosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps as launch time moves. And in the front bar of the top end pub. And I said, mate, you need to familiarise yourself with the theory of cause and effect. It's not a two way street. Cause leads to effect. Deliberately giving yourself a shocking case of jock rot is not going to make the build up set in any quicker. Smith! Uh oh. What's going on? More! Jesus, is that the time? Oh, showtime. Great. Yeah, let's go. Quick, quick hurry up. drink up. Get your bums in the boat and get on with it. G'day fishos and welcome to the Tinny this week with Tim and Andy where we are all looking forward to a shocking case of jock rot to herald in uh, the build up which is increasing in humidity and temperatures increasing and uh, temperatures of temperament increasing as uh, build up losers just begin. A couple of comps on this weekend, we'll take you out to uh, Oh, the East Alligator, the South, the Billabongs out in Kakadu Way across the big rivers. And on to the Blue as well. G'day again to you, Andy. G'day, Tim. I'm not sure I can ever remember actually being as excited or anticipatory for a build-up. Or for Jockrot. Or for Jockrot. I've been having the discussion with my daughter, actually. she's a <laughs> About, about Jockrot. Well, yeah, she's a good territory <laughs> kid, and, and we're given the choice. She will roll just in undies, mm. uh, like father, like daughter. I suppose. We've been having a long talk because we were out bush at the weekend uh, over the school holidays. There's a lot of squirting of hoses, a lot of, you know, swimming about, playing in sprinklers. And I did need to warn her that jock rot is primarily a result of poor personal hygiene in combination with moist underwear for long periods of time and, mm. and sweat. Uh, so she's taken to managing that. She asked me through the day, have you got jock rot yet, Dad? Because I was wandering around in wet undies. No, I'm good. Thanks, love. Thanks for inquiring. I appreciate your concern. You got jock rot yet, Dad? No, no, it's good. At one stage, she even attempted to inspect uh, whether jock rot was sitting. <laughs> so she's become a little bit obsessive, but at least I know her hygiene is, is up to it. And maybe, she's, maybe, she's staving off the beast. Maybe we do need a national day where we just ask our mates, you know, <laughs> yeah, not, not so much, are you, are you okay? okay? It's, do you have jock rot? <laughs> <laughs> and can, can I help with some parental paddle or, or some dactosin? <laughs> or any other uh, creams, additives or powders. See, the difference, whilst we're joking, see, I don't actually know what those drugs are, Tim, so you've you're, you're had not some experience there. No, you're I, not I, I can't say I've had massive suffering of jock rot over, over the ages anyway. I look forward to it this build-up, mate. Mm. Well, off to a good start. <laughs> good. <laughs> Anyhow, if you're still listening out there, all three of you. <laughs> yeah, if there's anyone still with us, uh, you can look forward to the heat increasing over the weekend. Rural areas... Likely to see daytime temps, Andy, of um, up to 40 degrees through the week. Yeah, it's hot. Yeah, two to three degrees above average for sort of mid-October. Salt marsh mozzie warnings are out the next seven to ten days, you know, as the tides and a little bit of moisture and humidity around combine. Oh, yeah. All the signs are there. And to a member of the church who shan't be named, uh, as we couldn't get onto him for approval, uh, but reports on Bookface this week of a 91 centimetre... 
are from a river that shan't be named, which I thought was interesting, Andy. Hmm. What would you? What would? What would be your guess if a church member's put up a ninety-one centimetre barra uh, from a river that shan't be named? North Arm of the Harbour. I'd say my instinct went straight to the Adelaide. Yeah. Because you never speak speak the name. No, you don't. Instinctively, I'd say the mouth of the Adelaide, perhaps up one of the wheelchairs. That'd be my guess. But you know another river at this time of year that shan't be named? And when you do name it, uh, there's been a lot of grief in previous years. What's is that? The, and I'm going to name it. Here I go. Yeah. Is the Finnis River. Oh. That's one of those rivers uh, many fishers daren't name. Come the builder. Mm. And 91 is a build-up type of number, isn't it? It is. It is. 93, 91, 97, 88. Remarkably a 92 on the on the other river that one daren't utter its name, the, uh, the Adelaide uh, mm. from last weekend. We'll tell you more about that on the tinny shortly. We will. Tim, it's pretty fair to say that, you know, this paucity of barra that we've had over the past six months, it's really tested a few of us as territory fishos. Mm. We've got to remember one thing, and that is the thing that underpins all churches. It doesn't matter what your religion, what your beliefs, what church you follow. There's one foundation on which everything else is built. Foundation. The body and blood of Christ. Um, no, wrong answer. The body and blood of Barra. Tr- no, try again. <laughs> it's one word. It's faith, right? You got. Yes, ha- it is faith. You got to have faith. It's the foundation of of belief and of action and of 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 all churches. Of fishing. And sometimes that faith gets rewarded, Tim with an indicator or a sign, a sign of things to come. That happened this week over the Tiwi Islands. Yeah, I don't know why people are worried about that uh, Monday that showed up in the cloud, but I think it's normal for the anti-tropics, you know. A barramundi in a cloud over the Tiwis. What do you reckon, Tim? Well, what is, was is, it? Is, this, this was a, a cloud... Shaped like a barra. ...that appeared over the Tiwis. Mm. Well, that's a sign. <laughs> Absolutely. Or is it a sign of our desperation to need a sign? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to take it as a sign that the barra are on the way. The fish gods are telling us. Did you get a? Did you clap eyes on this cloud? No, how, I, no, I didn't. I didn't see any photos of it either. How much did it? How much did it look like a barramundi? Very much so. Enough that uh, talkback radio, talk, 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 radio talk, 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 was going local off. who said that there was a barra in the sky. <laughs> I'm going to place a fair. We're talking about faith. I'm going to place a fair bit of faith in our colleagues' ability. Anyway, I reckon the stars are aligning. Note the bomb to have also issued, there's been a 3.45% increase in the official JRI. So you you know you've got the Indian Ocean Dipole, you know you've got MJO pulses and all Mm. of that. The, uh, the JRI, of course, is the Jock Rod Index. And that's, oh, it's up 3.45%. It's up 3.45, of course yeah, it is. yeah. And that's actually an all-time high, maybe something to do with climate change. Why? Either way, oh, it's a sign. Why aren't they putting a JRI on Meti? Fishos would really appreciate that, and so would my daughter. JRI's uh, up, Dad. I'm going to take. I'm going to take that up with <laughs> Try the bomb. Try out your undies. When I next meet with them, I'll, I'll put that <laughs> to the bomb. I think it's a, it's, a, it's a critical stat, but it's a sign. So anyway, talking of stars aligning, there are plenty of stars on today's show as we do the rounds of the top end fishing community. We ask one fisher who has just returned to live in the NT from a stint living in Queensland, so he saw his sins and came home. We asked him what he has in sights for the builder. Most people know that Shoal Bay is a no-brainer. Mm. I'll probably be interested in sussing out the harbours, Bino and Darwin, just scoping out and getting a bit more understanding of them. Probably want to sort of tweak them and work them out a lot more, especially now. Like There's a lot of areas in those harbours and that that can um, really have good sessions and all that, especially around the rocks and whatnot and in the flats. And then from Montana to Mexico, he's ended up living in Mandora, a very keen fly fisher that we talked to. 
just the other day. I ended up just taking the dogs down to the beach for a walk, tied on a couple of flies, saw a little bit of uh, movement in the water, so I ended up... Yeah, ended up. Ended up. Uh, stay what with have us. you done there? Stay with us there. <laughs> Just teasing ended it out. Ended up Tim. getting jock rot. Well, I'll tell you what. Catching nothing. Stick around to find out what he ended up what he ended up achieving just walking the dogs and casting a fly. It's pretty cool. Uh, and the story of a young lad who survived a shark attack at Nullumboy last year and some very sage advice. The only thing I'd get from it is dive with someone else. I was by myself as I don't know. I was a bit of an easy target up against six or seven sharks. <laughs> yes, you were. You could say that. <laughs> uh, anyway, folks, so be alert to the signs. Look to the skies as we tear off again in that rusty old vessel we call the Tinny. That's what happens when you're born in 1996. You don't know how to use a fishing rod. Since then, I haven't moved. I've wrapped myself in cotton wool, <laughs> and I'm too scared to do or go anywhere. Tales from the Tinny. Well, we called it as the competition to watch, or more so the... Uh, the competition that had been run and won, the Top End Barris Series, Andy, by Peter Cooper. He was unbeatable coming into the last round. The competition to watch was the race for second and, and third. And a great deal of really excellent trash talking in the lead up to that uh, between Peter Cooper, Evan Dixon, Clayton Archibald, who were kind of vying to hold the train of the wedding dress as Peter Cooper walked down the aisle and vying also to, to be the one to catch the floral bouquet but a late entry to the field at the Adelaide River at uh, the weekend Kai Argent two times winner of top end Barra series has swooped seemingly from nowhere to take it out how you going Kai I'm good mate congratulations cheers very much I guess in the right spot at the right time that's that's how fishing works isn't it yeah theoretically although not always that easy on the foul temptress that is the Adelaide River Kai no Always hard work, always. It was about, I don't know, eight hours of fishing for not much before I got the right spot at the right time, I guess. Wow, that is welcome to the Adelaide River. Mm. Yeah, we started off good. I put in super early to beat the tide around and fish the low tide on the Saturday morning. Lost our first five between me and me decky. Got one on board probably 6.30 in the morning and then it wasn't until... So when were those five that you dropped? When? That was just first thing in the morning, first light. It would have just been starting to turn. Clear patches of water, hit a bait, fishing up against the edge. Most of it was in the main river, that. Right in the, right in the mouth of the creek in the main river. And what were you using, Kai? Six-inch rubbers. Who's to blame for dropping five? I mean, how does that, how does that happen? Where's the accountability here, Where is Kai? the accountability? There, there needs to be some soul-searching. I'm going to blame that purely on weedless hooks. Because <laughs> oh, oh, oh. as soon as I changed, I started hooking fish. Eight hours without a fish, no one's surprised by that in the Adelaide no, River. Uh, definitely what, not. What happened then? After that clear water kind of pissed off and the dirty water started pushing in, we just got on the troll for a while and had a couple of beers, as you do. And it wasn't until after the turn again, water started going out and my decky decided to have a nap. And I just stayed in pretty much one spot that I knew there should be fish. Should be. There never is, but there should be. For one more hit. You were just telling the story of the Adelaide River. It looks so fishy. Mm. It does. There should be fish here. Every single element of our fishing knowledge says there will be fish here. Woke me decky up with a, get the net, wake up pretty much. He's netted me fish, took the photos. 92. 
healthy too. Looks good. And and I suppose that really is the fish that won the comp for you. I could have I could have gone home after that. I think it's a tough river, like a ninety-two. That, that's a metery, basically. I would say because if you take the degree of effort and the foul temptress factor. Are you saying that... I'm saying a 92 converts up to a metre. The degree of effort adds eight (laughs) centimetres on the Adelaide. Oh, absolutely. The degree of frustration. There's no other river that frustrates it. That frustrates at least eight centimetres. Yeah, I tend to agree. Personal view, only. (laughs) Let it go, and then three casts later, got another 80 centimetre plus, and was outdone by that one. And that was it. That was it for the day. Can I ask, were you fishing upstream or downstream from the bridge? Uh, Upstream. Downstream from the bridge. Yeah. Uh... Upstream from the mouth. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Top boundary for that round is Castle Creek or Wilshire 4, whatever it is. And what about the Sunday? Sunday? What Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> we tried out again. Thought it would be a better window on the Sunday. Seems it was a bit later time. Just didn't happen. So the final results, congratulations to Peter Cooper who came in first. Evan Dixon second, Clayton Archibald third. Where did you pull up this year? I couldn't even tell you. Oh, not a great year. <laughs> no, I missed a few rounds, so I couldn't even tell you. And and apparently, if you discount the first round for 2019, this is one of the worst, the lowest numbers of Barra recorded for a Teb season. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, though. It's been hard everywhere. Hopefully it's better next year. You never know. Absolutely, and congratulations for coming home strong, mate. Enjoy the build-up. Cheers. Thanks, guys. See you later, mate. Yep. It's enough to push you over the edge, that river. Especially in the build-up. Mullet moments. Regurgitated. The great build-up losers. They have started. The complete lack of ability to cope. A little bit tetchy. A little bit shorter fuse than normal. You've abused your partner or your child. You've abused a shopkeeper where it wasn't warranted. Abusing yourself. That can happen any time. The, the, the great build-up loser. You just snapped a bit early and had to catch yourself. <laughs> what? what are you talking about? Cataclysmic escalation. What do you mean? What are you talking about? Crazy? Really? Uncool? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Cats and dogs hide in the garden. What are you talking about? Afraid of swinging boots and randomly thrown <laughs> coffee cups. <laughs> You might be the sort of person who has your hair trigger moment rehearsed yeah. so that when you do go into that blind fit of whirling dervish rage, it just comes out as a fluid stream yeah. of yeah. vile invective. Yeah. Cracking tides for a, uh, a nice land-based flick. Look. Go down there, yeah. have a flick around, catch no fish, and then chuck a screaming tantrum on the way yeah. home. <laughs> <laughs> no, but maybe between January and November, you're able to cope with these challenges. You've got to cut a bit of slack in November, don't you? Tales from the Tinny. A memory from yesteryear of just how full-blown the losers can be in the build-up with Smithy there. And thanks for all those who've been inquiring as to his welfare. He's on a uh, extended leave of absence. He's well and recovering. He'll be back. It reminds me, though, of that bloke who uh, lost it due to the severe case of jock rot at Buff Creek that you were telling us about last week. Yeah, started flogging some bloke with his rod because he'd accidentally chopped his line with the with the prop. Then chased him around with a shovel, didn't he? Threatening yeah, to bury him. Threatened to bury him. And anyway, if you didn't hear that, he's away for three and a half years. Th- sorry. Three and he, a half runoffs. He's away for three and a half uh, runoffs. So let that be a warning to you to keep your build-up loose. It's under control as we, uh, we head deep in. And here's a timely warning for the build-up in the Territory to all those hard-working, hard-playing tradies amongst the church. Yes. Doing it tougher than most, obviously, out there every day in 40 degrees with 
a billion percent humidity. And wearing those ridiculous um, costumes, those Oc Health and Safety high vis costumes they have to wear that are just burning hot. Yeah, they, they look like human highlighters. Wouldn't they be happier, all the. Don't they? Wouldn't they be happier? And this is on your behalf, tradies. Wouldn't you be happier in just a, a blue singlet come the build up? Wouldn't you be more comfortable up on a roof in the build up? Yeah. Aussie style. Well, a Perth doctor's warning of the dangers of wearing these high-vis shirts in direct sunlight after what she believes is the world's first case of burns from retro-reflective tape. Did you see this? Did you see the photo? No, I didn't. Even more reason to dump them, though, and go back to a blue singlet. Who's ever been burnt from a blue singlet? No one. (laughs) Except on the shoulders and the neck and the the front of the neck. neck, And everywhere but the the trunk. They give very good trunkal protection. Brilliant trunkal protection. An engineer developed first degree burns from the reflective stripe on his high vis shirt. Oh, from the strip around the guts? Yeah, that's right. So it's obviously attracted extra heat and then, or heated up or something and then burnt him. I don't know the science of it, but you could see him. He had his shirt off and he was holding the high vis shirt here and he had a, a very defined red strip. Stripe burn now. You can add that to sunburn and jock rot. The things we have to deal with right across the top end. We're up against it. We're hard workers, Territory Fisher. We face challenges and sacrifices and dangers every day. Every day, right Mm. across the top end. Talking of right across the top end, Beard's been over in Gove, but he's back now. He's been all over, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's had had a great time. Um, Not only is he back from his trip, but he's down at his old haunt, the sandfly-ridden favourite, Buff Creek. Darwin's a pretty transient place. People come, people go. Generally, going into the build-up, you don't expect to see people coming back. This is a time when the chemists are running short of various crutch ointments and powders where relationship counselling appointments booked right out. But there is one kind of person that you might not be as surprised to see come back this time of year, and that's a fisher, Stu Hodges. After a A small discretion, moving to Queensland, finds himself back casting at Buff Creek. Welcome back to the Territory, mate. Thanks, man. It's good to be back. On that long drive through Mount Isa and across the Barclay, give me an idea of some of the visions you were having. Probably tried not to think about it too much. Um, Otherwise, I'll just get very distracted and then, yeah, it's a bit hard, especially when you get back in the Darwin. You see the water and... um, I think it didn't even take me a day and I was already checking the tide, so yeah, sure enough, couldn't help myself. Buff Creek in particular holds special significance for you. This is the site where you launched and got stuck on Shoal Bay. Your kid was uh, but a day old and then and caught a metery land-based off a sandbank. Yeah, yeah, the little one's two now, so actually keen to hit that, hit that spot again. While you were away, did you keep your barrow chops up to scratch? Yeah, last year I had a really cracker of um, a year for the barrow. Over there last year they didn't get much rain through throughout the year, which is sort of unusual, probably the, the biggest dry spell they've had in a long, long time. So, yeah, I had a really good session then, but this year was um, was pretty terrible. Like, literally rain for, like, nearly six months, and it shit me. What would be your top three wish list missions for the next few weeks? Most people know that Shoal Bay is a no-brainer. I'll probably be interested in sussing out the harbours, Bino and Darwin, just scoping out and getting a bit more understanding of them. Probably want to sort of tweak them and work them out a lot more, especially now. Like, There's a lot of areas in those harbours and that that can um, 
really have good sessions and all that, especially around the rocks and whatnot and in the flats and, you know, you got your little jelly prawns coming in, so you can work out a lot of new areas where they'll sit, where they won't sit and I probably won't target the big barrow for a while and happy to just go out and catch a little schoolie or something for the time being. Talking about that, uh, about the jelly prawns coming in, what does that mean for you? Oh yeah, definitely for the harbours and that. Um, I'd be finding the smallest little you can pick, working them in the harbours and that. Shoal Bay is a little bit different, a lot bigger barrow, but generally bigger, you get less fish, but you'll get bigger fish. But that's not to say that big barrow won't take smaller lures. Yeah. And you tend to go sort of on the lighter side, tackle-wise, anyway? Yeah, I think as I'm just, you know, changing my style and all that, I do seem to be going a lot lighter now with all my gear and all that. I think more fun. It just works the lure a little bit differently. And with that lighter gear and all that, you get a better feel and your lure seems to work a little bit differently. Like, obviously, you're risking and losing that, that trophy fish, but... It enhances your skill level. You got to fight the fish differently and all that. Like last year, I caught a lot of good fish on like 16, 10 pound, running only like 10 pound leader and all that. Caught a couple in the 90s, catching them on my little jungle perch rod. Adds a bit of pressure, but at the same time, you learn to work your gear instead of just tightening it as hard as you can and thumb locking it. Is there anything that barrow fishers are doing differently over there that Territorians could learn from the Queenslanders? It's probably more backwards back over there. They're still fishing baits and hand lines and whatnot, but it's simply because the fishing is actually pretty good over there. So they've never really had to adjust or change to catch their fish. Whereas here, the fishing can be tough at times. So, you know, you've got to get them little techniques and whatnot and all enhance your chances of catching them fish. Whereas over there, like, you go to the reef, you can literally drop on any rock and you'll catch a fair feed. Those boys that do know how to catch their barrows and all that, they're really uh, tight-lipped, so... All right, Stu, I'll let you get back to flicking the buff. Again, welcome back to the NT. When are you going fishing next? Uh, I'll probably go to Starby, to tell you the truth. Oh! <laughs> nice little land-based spot, so see what it's producing. Happy days. Thanks for the chat, bro. Thanks, mate. Some feedback on the TFT PPA, uh, the Tales from the Tinny Prescatorial Prenuptial Agreement, which was re-released last week on the uh, on Tinny Bookface and at all good tackle stores. So you can sign up uh, to distribute the winnings of uh, MDF red tags should they come aboard. Scott on Facebook seemed genuinely surprised, Andy. The form's not actually a bad idea. <laughs> well, thank you, Scott. We, we, we resemble it, that remark. We, we, we too amazed ourselves. Neville nearly dropped dead. <laughs> Scott says, I'd imagine a uh, million dollars could quickly ruin a friendship if an agreement wasn't in place. It could, Scott, and thus the purpose of the TFT PPA. We don't want things to end in tears when a million dollars comes aboard. And along the same theme, Chris Gill, morning fellow tinny listeners, my dad and I have a good agreement on how the winnings of the million dollar fish, either five, ten or a million, gets distributed. Mm. He says at least half goes to the boat and the rest gets divided between us. Get a mullet up here. Well, thanks for the hoy, Chris, but more importantly, thanks for 
not only listening to us, but actually following the advice. But do you see what I think... Do you see I, what this trend is telling us? I, there's there's at least well, two people out there that have listened you, to us and, and act, using acted a on it. I'm excited. Um, I, but isn't Chris saying there, is he saying there that the agreement between him and his dad mm. is that half of all their winnings goes to the boat, like to upgrades or to upgrade the boat, the rest gets distributed to them? That's the way I read it. Right, so if they won a million bucks, they go out and buy a half million dollar boat and 250k each. That's a good deal. That's sweet. That's a pretty sweet. That's a pretty sweet boat, boys. Good plan. Uh, this popped up on the news feed uh, this week from Monday. Seven-year-old Joshua Johansson mid-battle over the gunnel off the Perrins. Oh! Oh, my God! Look at him! Double hook! Oh, my God! <laughs> Loving it. Loving it, little fella. A couple of trickies. Yeah. Which are an excellent capture, young fella. And very worthy and delicious on the tube. His dad told us he's a fantastic little fisherman, often kicks my ass when we go out. He also landed a big coral trout. Great fishing, young Josh. Keep kicking your dad's ass, mate. <laughs> now, we've been documenting the plight of grey nomads, Graham and Dixie, for a couple of weeks now. Well, haven't show. we what? It's become quite a saga. It has. It's almost a bit, got, got to be the Wanguri around it. Yeah, they've become high profile. The series. Cel- celebrity grey nomads. They have indeed. What anyway, have they done now? Well, after Graham dragged Dixie out land base fishing, of course, you'll remember that she went ass over tea and got laid up in hospital, so that extended their stay. So oh, Graham could keep Graham fishing. Graham could keep fishing. Right. But he's not having any joy. Um, Cess, old son, on Facebook says this. He says, hey guys, I heard a fella Graham on the podcast needs to catch a fish while in Darwin. Happy to take him out in my boat. If oh. you want to put him in touch with me, is this is the spirit that we encourage. Good on you, Sess. This is another foundation of the church. Uh, got six-week-old bubs at home, so not really fishing at all, and this might be a good excuse. Six-week-old bub at home, Sess. Congratulations to you guys, by yeah. the way. Uh, and happy to volunteer to take out a random... Stranger, grey nomad, to catch his first fish. That is the altruistic MO of the church. Well, he actually got out of it in the end, Cess, um, because the reply from Graham was, (laughs) geez, that sounds bloody awesome, except it may be a case of should have told me yesterday. Because the long story short is Dixie finally got the nod from the doctors to say she's okay to travel, um, and she's pushing to to get back on the road. So bloody doctors, he says. Got to go before I cry. No sign of a bloody barrow, but gee, I've had some great fishing spots and enjoyed some wow times with a few of the locals. Thanks to the Church of the Tinny. May your travels be executed in a safe manner and may you continue <laughs> to listen to the podcast. Go forth in your week, my son, <laughs> for the Tinny is with you. Praise be the mullet. <laughs> They're mini, mini sermons. I don't know where they come from, by the way. They come from I'm deep not controlling within this. This, is, <laughs> this gets expelled. <laughs> You're going to have to put up with it, Fish Eyes. And to wind us up, ahoy from Lisa the Brave. G'day again, ah. Lisa. Hey, fellas. Uh, my bloke's finally broken his barra drought on the harbour over the weekend. It's been a tough 2019 with him being outfished on a regular basis by his 12-year-old son. Of course, he was happy for the young bloke to be such a champ, but the ribbing he was copping from all of his mates was starting to wear him down a bit, make him doubt his own abilities. Uh, it's not through lack of trying either. Anyway, thankfully, after the weekend session in the harbour... The smiles return to his face and all is is as it should be in the fishing department at our house. However, his dedication to the undie club, on the other hand, is starting to become a problem. 
We documented this a little while back. Lisa the Brave's uh, other half has joined an undie club because uh, he loves undies. Uh, and he's committed to maintaining high um, undie hygiene practices and therefore staving off jock rot, no doubt. You become a member, no pun intended, says Lisa, of this club, and every month they post you a new flash pair of undies. They really are a work of art and very, very comfy, he tells me, but after a few years in the club, he now has so many undies, they're busting out of his undie drawer. <laughs> Have we arrived at the point where these things need their own walk-in wardrobe, I wonder? I hope not, because where are we going to store the two million fishing shirts we have between us that currently live in the walk-in wardrobe? (laughs) Anyway, I had to do a bit of an intervention and suggested that maybe he cancel the subscription for a year or two to enable him to actually get through a full rotation of his stock. Because they're just like art pieces at the moment. He, he's got too many to actually wear. I've heard of wine clubs, but yeah, never, is, never, know, never undie Yeah, clubs. this is extraordinary, isn't it? Of course, like an addict who's been exposed for what they are, he denied and denied and denied, and then he avoided the subject and me for a few days. He forgets who he's dealing with, though. They don't call me Lisa the Brave for nothing, and I don't give up that easily. So like a dog with a bone, I gave it a few days rest, then ambushed him again when he least expected so we hashed it out and have come to a compromise. He will not cancel his Undie Club subscription. In fact, he's actually started recruiting the neighbours, Andy. He's got two neighbours who have since joined Undie Club with him. Oh. But he says he will pull back his membership to only a new pair every second month. That's six a year. That's manageable. Still hasn't solved the storage problem, but at least give me a little respite from the regular monthly fashion parade I have to endure when his special parcel <laughs> lands in the mailbox. We feel for you, Lisa. You can give us a hoy too, fishing at abc.net.au's the email address, or hit us up on Facebook. Shoot it, share it, shout it. Give us a hoy. All right, so, yeah, hey, this is James Crane. Uh, I live over at Mandora. A uh, bit of a fly fishing enthusiast. Moved over from Montana. Met a girl uh, in Mexico, and we've been here in Australia for 15 years. Been living over in Mandora for 10. Yeah, I love my fly fishing. Was a fly fishing guide over there just the other day. I ended up just taking the dogs down to the beach for a walk. Tied on a couple of flies. I had uh, like a crab pattern and uh, my gurgler, uh, which is a topwater pattern on the seven weight, uh, the crab pattern on the 10. Saw a little bit of uh, movement in the water, so I ended up throwing the crab pattern and slowly twitching it. And of course, probably on the fourth cast, got hooked up on the rocks, tried my hardest to get that off, and ended up breaking off. And it was a bit of a bummer, so I was like, oh, I got the seven weight as a backup. Saw out of my peripheral vision just a a bit of a push of water and ended up having a couple casts at that and all of a sudden, big girl eight and uh, it was so cool to see anything on top water. It's always special, Uh, especially with a fly fisherman with a a fly that you've tied and so good to see when a fish actually tries to muscle up and she can't really jump out of the water because she's got so much girth and just does that tail walk and knowing my rig I was a little bit nervous pretty much undergunned with the seven way I should be catching tiny little garfish but uh yeah I ended up just telling myself don't worry just 
let it go and see what happens and did its runs and slowly tired her out and I was actually barefooted. Yeah, I had to walk over oyster rocks and everything to kind of get to an area where I wanted to land the fish and finally got it to shore and uh, got a couple picks and and then looking at it was like that moment of like, do I keep you or uh, do I let you go? And just because she was that big, you, you, yeah, I just felt like, you know what, you, you got to respawn for us and uh, give us some, some babies. So Now, no one really kind of refers to big girls, uh, unless they're one species. We're talking about Barra here. How big was it? I didn't actually take a, a proper measurement, but uh, it had the girth, it had the shoulders, and uh, it was long. And uh, from the photos, yeah, it gave it an 88-ish. It's high 80s, let's put it that way. Coming further into the build-up, is this kind of land-based fly fishing for, for Baz something you're going to be doing a bit more of? Oh, Definitely. There's a couple of uh, areas that I like to kind of wade out around in and whether they're like rocky headlands or gutters and uh, mostly land-based. Uh, th- I definitely do chuck in the tinny as well. And uh, it's nice just if you have like an hour that you want to kill and uh, and you look at the watch and you see that the tide's right where you want it. And so you, you got to get out. Yeah, I definitely do like the outgoing after about four to like 3.7 meters of tide. And where we live, we're so lucky over there on the other side. And, you know, you feel remote even though you're only 10 minutes away from Darwin. So it's awesome. Now, it's not just the barrier you've been targeting too. You've been getting into some pelagics. Uh, I ended up taking Dean Carroll out, uh, who's a local tattoo artist. And uh, he and I chased tuna. Man, we had a, a hard day, bust-offs, and it's just a bummer. Like, they were being so picky. Big flies weren't working. You could watch fish light up, turn to your fly, come chase, and then just turn away. And Oh, man, it, uh, Dean was pretty angry on the bow, but uh, he couldn't believe it. We must have gone through, like, probably eight to ten different flies and then changing leader and trying to make it all happen and in the chaos of being so excited when you've got a bust up right next to you and you've just snipped a fly off and you're like okay just calm down i can tie this knot i'm gonna make this happen in the next three seconds and uh, and then they go down anyway and you're like damn we had so much fun out on the water and uh and then i ended up uh, i was supposed to to work on my house i'm doing home renos and uh <laughs> yeah, the next day I was like, no, nah, that was too good. I had to chuck the boat back in and go for it again. <laughs> and did you get up? I ended up getting that uh, gray mackerel. That was pretty big solo, and that was that was really cool. Where we are, we've got so many different varieties of fish that you can target for, whether you're chumming bread for just mullet or for milkies. Uh, or my favorite right now is um, tuskfish and mother-in-laws or some people call them mud emperors and uh i've got a couple spots of reefs that i just go and i I hike out on on real low tides sometimes i use a stand-up paddleboard to get out to where i'm going just so that uh i've got a a bit of reef where i'm at and uh, as the tide drops out you just kind of circumnavigate this area and just hope that someone's on the on the prowl and you're chucking crabs and crustacean patterns and that makes it a little bit more special when you know that you've put in the time and changed your pattern and and seen what the fish like and uh yeah just to see those tuskies uh actually see your fly and just no hesitation and go from being like uh-oh especially when you set the hook and you don't turn the fish and, and you set hard and you go 
Oh yeah, in <laughs> I'm in trouble. This is uh, this is gonna be interesting. And being land based, man, when you hook into the big ones, like they know, they know exactly what to do, and uh, it's pretty much over in five seconds. But yeah, it's good fun. I love it. Thanks <laughs> for talking to the tinny. No worries. Thanks, man. Get a mullet up, yeah. <laughs> James also told us that the other week he was down at Fort Hill Wharf and he saw hundreds of mangrove worms on the surface that the queenies were busting up. Have you ever heard of mangrove worms? No, no, I've never, not on the surface like that, being hit by fish. No. Anyway, he kept a couple so that he could replicate them using his flies, <laughs> as, as every good fly fisher would. That's a bait you don't see very much of. It's not about the fishing, it's about the time on the water with the boys. <laughs> Tales from the tinny. Get a mullet up here. Hey, Dylan, it's Sean. We came from Nolan Boy here. You might have seen on the news or social media, but I got a bit of touch up from a shark last year. And since then, just in the recovery now. And I don't know, just learning to do things one armed and stuff like that. I'm just looking at your arm now, Sean. Touch up is probably saying it a bit lightly there. It's the meanest scar I've ever seen. I remember seeing you on the news and it was, it sounded pretty hectic. A 17 year old boy has sustained significant leg and arm injuries after being attacked by a shark off the coast east of Darwin. The teenager had been spearfishing from a boat with friends in waters off Nullumboy when he was attacked. Authorities believe he was bitten by a reef shark. He's been taken to the Royal Darwin Hospital for treatment. When I was diving, I shot a mackerel, and then as I was bringing the mackerel up, the sharks have come up, and one's latched onto my arm, and he's given it a good old chew. Another one's come up and bit my leg, just a little scratch compared to the other one. Could you tell by the shark's behaviour that they were, that they were revved up? Oh, well, before I shot that mackie, I shot a trout, and they basically pushed into the brain coral trying to get to it. And from there, I should have really jumped out, but seeing the schools of mackerel really got me excited. So I chased them, no sharks in sight, and shot one and come in from every direction. Yeah. Are we talking reefies or bronzies or what? I'm not actually sure. I'm pretty sure they're reefies, yeah. But they're about the two-metre range, yeah. Nothing too big. Big enough. Big, exactly, big enough. <laughs> it was about eight hours all up from where the attack happened to go back to Darwin, and it was about, I know, an hour to three hours all in Gove. Yeah, big ordeal. Had to constrain, stop the blood from flowing out, and yeah. It's a lot of skin lost, man, on that arm. Talk me through the steps of that recovery. Yeah, well, when I first got in the hospital, the first thing was getting the arm alive, so they cut a vein straight out of my leg and stitched up in a main artery and blocked off another one to keep the blood flow going. From there, they just kept going, cleaned out all the big holes, and they cut a big patch of skin off my leg, and they chucked that on there. At the end, it's just staples and stitches and... Looking a bit like Frankenstein. <laughs> Tell me about how how that that past year or almost a year has been. Well, it's never really felt different to me. Just sort of you know live with it. You don't really think about before. Yes, live with it how it is. <laughs> you just adapt. Yeah, that's it. How's the movement and stuff in that arm now? Well, it's actually improved a lot more since when it first happened. Like I was laying in hospital, barely even move it. Now I've got a lot more finger strength. I can lift it up. 
was there anything to learn from that situation about like anything you do different with that mackerel? The only thing I'd get from it is dive with someone else. It was by myself. It was, I don't know, it was a bit of an easy target up against six or seven sharks. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, did you have the mackerel up with you? I had pulled him up, and when I was, I was surfacing, looking up, and then when I looked down, they were there. So, I don't know. I didn't have a reel on my gun, so he's right up close. Reel, yeah. A lot of things I could have improved. <laughs> all right, and so the big question is, have you been spearing or fishing uh, since? I did a fair bit of fishing, get into that a little bit, and I haven't been diving yet, but wouldn't mind to. The wind's about to die down uh, in the next couple of weeks. Are you going to be getting in the water soon? Uh, I don't know. We'll see how it goes, see what any opportunities come up. Definitely be fishing. <laughs> and what, well, tell me about some of the fishing you've been doing lately. Uh, just around the rocks around town here, just trying to get a few queenies, getting back into it and starting off with something easy. You're fine with that arm kind of holding the rod and reeling with the with the right? Uh, well, I've changed now. I was right, reeling with the right. Now I'm holding the rod and the right and reeling with my left. In this recovery process, when did you actually know, like, okay, I think I think I can go fishing again? <laughs> well, I started off in a hospital trying to do simple things and it was a bit tricky and stuff like that. Just trying to watch stuff on my phone and try to go hold it in my left hand and drop it and <laughs> go everywhere. And then once I got back here, built some strength up and, I don't know, just had my old rods here and sat there and realised that I'd still be able to fish with my left hand if I hold the rod in my right. So just worked my way around it. Right, so did, was there a bit of practising reeling in the bedroom? <laughs> as bad as it sounds, yeah, there was. <laughs> no shame in it, mate, no shame. <laughs> yeah, that's it, well... I know, get me doing something on the weekends and stuff like that. Yeah. I always wanted to learn me left, and now I'm forced to. <laughs> In terms of like times of the year that Norman Boy fishers look forward to, where does this, the next few months, like here up until monsoon time, where does that sit? The best time here is probably around the Christmassy time. It's just, I don't know, it's good for everything. It's not winds down, weather's good. Just you can do anything you want, really. And flicking for those uh, for those queenies down at uh, East Woody off the rocks there. You just flicking chromies? What's the strategy there? Oh, I flick a few chromies, a few poppers and stuff. Try to get the bigger ones on surface and the smaller ones on chromies and stuff, yeah. Anything else you get inshore close like that? Oh, around there you get a few trout and jacks and stuff like that and plenty of little GTs and all that kind of stuff. Now, as I was driving to your place to, to have a yak, I couldn't help but notice that... that Pretty much every house has a, has a boat in it. <laughs> it's, it's pretty like the the ones without boats are, are definitely the exception to, to the rule. What's the go there? Oh, well, you can't really live in Gove in an awesome place like this without a boat or hunting. <laughs> it's just too hard to miss the chance, the opportunities. <laughs> Cool, man. Well, look, I'm glad that's that's healed up well. It's uh, one of the gnarliest scars I've ever seen. But no, it's, it's good to see the recovery's been so good. Uh, I hope you get in the water again pretty soon, and thanks for talking to the tinny. <laughs> Sweet, as no worries. Cheers. If you haven't seen it, the photos of Sean's arm at this stage of the game are up on Facebook for shows pretty full on.
Red, fast, and free! Presenting the Tales from the Tinny Fish Measuring Sticker! Some say it was calibrated by NASA to within a thousandth of a micron. Some say it's been printed over a billion times. Some say that these stats might be slightly exaggerated. Much like your fishing yards without a Tales from the Tinny Fish Measuring Sticker! Email fishing at abc.net.au or message the Tinny on Facebook to get yours. John Beaver. Hey guys, laid up looking at the ceiling after foot surgery. Could I request a measuring sticker for my titty to inspire my summer recovery, please? Anyone who requests a sticker from a hospital bed, which is pretty frequent. It is. Deserves a sticker. They do, and don't forget they have healing properties as well. So if you just keep it next to your bed, yeah, yeah, and just if you just rub it occasionally on the hour, I think it's the prescribed timing. Just give it a bit of a rub, and it's got healing properties in it that will... Uh, escalate or elevate your healing process. So those superbugs that are resistant to all bacteria aren't immune to a prescription of uh, TFT, Stick go fast, way, way, way. It's on its way to you, John. You too, Pete. I'm writing in request of a genuine Tales from the Tinny finely calibrated fish measuring sticker for Timmy's highlights. Oh, we don't have any of those. <laughs> Not finely calibrated. They ones. are NASA calibrated. <laughs> and they are genuine, despite all the rip-offs on the market. Yes. People running get-rich-quick schemes from Zhengzhou province in China. These are the genuine ones. Last wet season, which is to say last February, not this year because this year's pathetic excuse for a wet season doesn't count, Timmy and I decided to go fishing after I knocked off work at 10 o'clock one night. So we jumped in Timmy's jewel cab Hilux. It's a white one. You might have seen it about town. And headed along the Arnhem Highway to have a bit of a flick at some gutters. I was driving having just knocked off work and I was keeping to a moderate speed of uh, 100 clicks. Giving, uh, given the rain and poor quality of the headlights. Suddenly, BAM! Something happened. Timmy thought he'd seen a pig, so we went back to check. Turns out we had hit a sow and killed it instantly. Fortunately, being a Hilux, the, the car was okay. Realising the importance of bringing home some sort of food to the wives after a fishing trip... Oh, here we go. And I would have considered it... Wouldn't we all have considered, well, it's a sow, it's dead... It's not want not. (laughs) And the low likelihood of catching anything else, because we knew we were in for a tough session, we slung the pig in the tray. Unfortunately, due to the lack of a measuring sticker in the tray, I can only conjecture to its size. Bloody huge. We spent the next few hours gaily sending lures into the overhead trees under the watchful eyes of the local extra-iron crocodiles, unsurprisingly not landing any barrel. On returning to Darwin at 3am with a pungent aroma emanating from said Hilux, I recalled that I was on call for work and headed home. In the meantime, Timmy did some quick research on YouTube, quickly become an expert in pig butchering. With the meat safely in the fridge and the rest slowly putrefying in the wheelbarrow, Timmy crawled into bed as the sun came up. The slow-roasted hindquarter with apple cider vinegar was delicious the next evening after the guts had been disposed of, along with most of the northern suburbs' flies. (laughs) And I came off call. I feel that it'd be very useful to add a highly precise measuring device to the tray of Timmy's Hilux so we can adequately record our next catch. Pete, as good a bloody reason as being in hospital on your back, staring at the ceiling, listening to the podcast. Bloody oath. Timmy, a sticker is on the way to measure the next beast, be it Barra beef or sow ahoy holy 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 church of the tinny (laughs) 
Ahoy! Uh, you got me already. Just a quick note to let you know the aforementioned TFTT 120 YYY Delilah Go Fast Red Music sticker has not yet arrived. Oh, not got you uh, anymore. Another one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is this is uh, we, we don't take any responsibility for the fact that Neville is still in rehab. Correct. Well, it's not our only, problem. You can only lead a horse or a stork to water yes, or an albatross. And if they lead themselves back to the bar after having that water, what do we do? What do we do? If we they lead themselves to beer instead of to water, I mean, we're not his dad. No, and we don't have a backup either, which is really good business planning. Anyway, we all know that the tinny moves in mysterious ways, praise be the mullet, so I'm unsure if the stick has been redirected to where it was in greater need or if it's in fact been subject to some sort of um, sticker equivalent of share farming within Australia Post. <laughs> <laughs> the prospect of the arrival of the sticker has caused more excitement in the southern states than when ScoMo shit himself. Uh, in the Engadine Maccas. <laughs> Did that actually happen? I don't know, but it's a, good, it's a good story. I know. I'm going to look We might up. have to research that. And it's it's not non-appearance. Engadine, that's be... out of... It's in New, near Sydney or something. Yeah. It? He's not sure if it's non-appearance. Uh, he's thought to be affecting catches across the entire eastern seaboard. Wow. Hoping that Nev may be heading south again sometime soon and may be able to rectify the situation. Get a mullet up here at Coops. Coops... Um, there's a long list for Neville when he gets out, and we're going to make sure that you're um, three or four down the list because I'm pretty sure he's, Neville's going to stuff the first few up because you know, he the, hasn't worked for a while. If there's one thing I love most about the tinny, it's having the opportunity to punch into Google Scott Morrison Engadine McDonald's fecal matter, seeing what comes up. Is it E-N-G-A-D-I-N-E? Yeah, that's it. Oh, here we are. Did Scott Morrison crap himself... At Engadine Mackers in 1997, an investigation. Here's something from a post that's been archived. This person says, I was, and of course we can't verify whether this is true or not, but it's funny. <laughs> uh, I was working the night it happened. I, don't, I didn't think it was ever going to stop. It was stre- streaming out like Niagara Falls. Oh, good Lord. And I didn't know what to do. My mop could only mop so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those rumours from, from what I'm seeing here from 1997 where I think might have started because there was a spot on his pants and then that has just been well and truly wholeheartedly embraced uh, by the internet and blown way out of proportion. I think he actually mentioned it in a speech a little while back, saying you'll never know what really happened at Endegon Mackers back in 1997. Wow. Although that might have been made up too. The only thing you can trust and you can believe is the integrity and fish-catching ability of the Tales from the Tinny Fish Measuring Sticker. One of which is on its way to your coops. You can get one too, fishing at abc.net.au. So, Tim, I know that you've just been through this too, this experience that we do annually, and that is the school fair. Oh, it's a great day out. Yeah, look, I went recently as well, but you know me, pony rides, bouncy castles and cakes, all, all well and good. Yeah, I was <laughs> for, a, for half a second. Yeah, or to watch on TV, but I was looking for something just a little bit more, and I found it. They're checking makeup over at the auditorium. Over in the library, they're reading books. Cakes are being sold to parents at the stall. But over in the science area, there's a mangrove jack in a bowl of water. Uh, hello, I'm Josh. I go to Essington School. Um, Andy was trying to show me where to put the food and the jack almost took his finger off. That was pretty funny. <laughs> I think he's just really, really annoyed that we've got him out of the wild. We caught him out of the wild and brought him in here, so I think he's just annoyed. How long's he been here for? About six months. 
part of the aquaculture, the elective. So you're an avid fisher, we know that at the Tinney. Um, that's why you're not in, in the library or in the auditorium. You're standing here with a piece of prawn tied onto a little bit of 20 pound leader. So pound. 30 pound. Oh, <laughs> thank you. I'm going to dip on the surface of the water and watch them just absolutely pound it. Three, two, one. Oh! Oh! Uh, he uh, he took it all, hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, he'll be all right. Oh, wow, that was exciting. Um, are there other species of fish too yeah, here in science? There's, there's some barra. I've got two turtles. Let's give the barra a go. Okay. Um, we've got three little baby barra mundi in here. The smallest is about 22 centimeters, and the biggest is about 30, 32 sort of thing. They're all pretty hungry fish. I have tried. I have hand fed them before, but for some reason they've gone backwards. I'll try and hand feed one now. Come on, eat it. Oh, baby boof. Come here. Come here, come here, come here. I've had them eat my finger before. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that attached to his finger. Uh, good, good boofing. Do you ever get tempted to flick a lure at the barrows? No, it's too small. They're about 25, 30 centimetres. I'm plus I'm not allowed to. Not a bad way to get expelled. No. Thanks for talking to us and... Uh, yeah, have a great day here at the school book fair and fish fair. Yeah, have a great day. Hopefully see you on the water one day. Good boofing. Sounded like a barra dad talking his son through eating solids for the first time. There's a good barra. <laughs> here comes the choo-choo train. Here comes the helicopter. Okay, here comes good boofing. <laughs> oh, such a Darwin dad you are. Not over at the crochet stand, looking at the craft wares, are you? Not over at the dunking machine, hopping on the dunking machine? Nope. Letting your daughter knock you in? Nope. Pony rides? Nope. Be a great way to get expelled too, you're right. <laughs> Casting at the undersized school pet aquaculture barra. You're out! Getting into the build-up comp season, Andy, including the Corroboree Park Challenge coming up this weekend. Exciting. You threatened to fish it, didn't you? I did. I, I think you made a vague commitment earlier in the year. I did. You I might, might have to get out there and do that one. You might have to check the records, but I think I did say that. Ain't yeah. going to happen, of course. Life, <laughs> life's too busy. So we'll talk about it instead. As is with the uh, Palmerston Game Fishing Club who put on the Corroboree Park Challenge. How are you, Azza? Good, boys. Yourself? Good, mate. Now, run us through the details. It's not just Corroboree, is it? Uh, no, it's not. Um, it's anywhere east of um, Corroboree so Billabong, pretty much up to, well, I suppose, the Arnhem Land border. Where would you be picking most people would be heading? Because those Billabongs have been pretty tough so far this year. The main group will probably be hanging around the Corroboree area. Mm. But they'll get, you'll get your adventurers to probably head out to your South Alligator Billabongs and all those other freshwater courses out that way. Um, so I think last year's winners won at um, Mouth to South. Okay, so South, that's going to put in Red Lily Bucket and Alligator Billabongs near the South. It's yep, going to put in Corroboree and Hardy's. Two and four mile hole, that'll include Yellow Waters Home, Jim Jim Billabongs and the East itself. Usually we have around about the 300 competitor mark. The main rule is pretty much pick your packs up tomorrow, Arvo. Um, that's where all your rule, comp rules will be in. Yeah, photos. Designated sort of rag maps, I believe. So one's like trustworthy rag maps. And remember, fish the tails from the tinny uh, NASA calibrated one twenty YYY Go Fast sticker is officially sanctioned uh, calibration brag map for the purposes of 
entering such competitions. It is a truthful device. Although check that on the terms and conditions, because <laughs> it probably isn't. isn't. <laughs> How, what have you been hearing from that neck of the woods, Azza? Everywhere is sort of quiet. It's going to be a tough year, I reckon. A lot of the kakadu billabongs that do are holding fish. It's just been there, I guess, at the right time. I've heard a couple of them getting around that 30, 32 to 34 mark. Yeah. So they are definitely warming up. And and you can fish this comp. You don't have to check back in of an evening, do you? You can stay out for the whole weekend, so fish overnight. Yes, that's pretty much how it works. Um, so you pick your pack up on tomorrow, um, and I believe lines in the five. Enjoy the rest of the whole weekend, and as you come through Sunday, um, drop it off. But I think there is a time. I think it would be... I can't remember the time. I reckon it's before four. Yeah, you'll get the details in the pack anyway. Yeah. Azza, have you been fishing out that way? Oh, look, I've been out expecting a few of the local watercourses out there. <laughs> Any luck? Um, yeah, we've found a heap. Um, but, uh, yeah, same thing. Was that we've just been working and try and do our scientific research and uh, what they're <laughs> chewing and how they're chewing it. Are you entering the comp? Um, I will be this year. I'm taking... It'll be me and the family. We're going to go and... Um, Enjoy the weekend ourselves. We're going to get bugger all out of you. What what sort of river system was it you were doing this recce on? Uh, pretty much east of Crawberry. <laughs> <laughs> a large river system or a, a, a more billabong-type habitat? It's got a lot of water in it. Um, <laughs> How was the wildlife? What sort of wildlife? To, uh, look, there's definitely... Uh, we've seen a croc there once. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, mate, it sounds like... You've found a, a reasonable patch. Let's hope you don't get trailed anyway. And good luck in the comp this weekend. We won't probe uh, any further. Outside of that area east of Corroboree, however, you've been hearing many reports from club members or mates from harbours or, or rivers elsewhere. Yeah, look, I think it's just finding out how they're moving this year. Like, um, the harbour's fishing quite well. Um, a lot of all the boys are saying the fish are moving uh, as expected. But uh, a few of the boys that have been to Shady and south and everything so yeah it's not not as normal so that's what it's looking panning out to me at the moment but let's just hope it um it doesn't and it comes back um but it's just the the fact that the wind's hanging around maybe just disturbing yeah good luck this weekend mate to you and all the competitors thanks again Azza. thanks guys well, that about wraps it up for today's tinny. Thanks to Stu Odgers, to Azza, Kai Argent, James the Fly Fisho over at Mandora, and young Josh Godson. Good on you, Josh. Thanks also to Sean the Shark Whisperer, and thanks to you, Fishos, for writing to us, to, for hoying us, and listening to us uh, week in, week out. Thanks uh, to you too, Beard, uh, as always, and to Lisa uh, the Brave. Having a break uh, for next week. So join us again Friday afternoon or Saturday morning or via the podcast. There'll be a highlights of some of the best of your bits over the last six months to a year next week on the Tinny and back the week after that. And until next time, get a barramundi cloud-shaped mullet right up yeah.